Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 1 through 7, called Anxious for Nothing. Here it is again, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I'm not going to teach through the armor of God, but I think you can see the idea here, the connecting concept. Standing firm has to happen through spiritual endowment. In this case, the metaphor is the armor of God. It's not real armor. It's not physical armor. It's spiritual endowment. How do you get spiritually endowed from on high? How do you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you put on the armor? How do you put on the new man? One of the ways you do that is through prayer. You ask the Lord for help. You ask him to fill you afresh with, your, with his Holy Spirit. You begin to move your eyes away from the problem to the God of solution. Amen? This is how you stand firm, my beloved. You remember in the running metaphor, Paul says, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm pressing forward to what lies ahead. Some of us get stuck in the past. Now, I'm not saying that there's not some value to going back there at least to find healing and and God's forgiveness and then move on. But some of us keep replaying past things that happened to us. Uh, It could be a hurt. It could be a traumatic event. It could be, uh, you know, a disagreement or even a major hurt like a, a breakup or something. And we stay stuck there. Remember that worry is replaying something and staying stuck there. You're going to have things come into your mind. It's unavoidable, but you don't have to stay stuck there. And that's the point. Forget what lies behind. Listen, I heard a pastor say it this way, and and it was well said. You can't change yesterday. It's already occurred. Amen? And you can't control tomorrow, but you can live without anxiety today. Right? So this is usually what we do is we get stuck on the past, what have, shoulda, couldas, if onlys, or the fear of the future. What if this happens? What if that? But we can't control any of that stuff. Can't change the past, can't control the future, but we can live for God's glory today without being overwhelmed by anxiety because today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So the resurrection is coming. This is who we are. We don't have to stay stuck. Here's another sub point, and this is not one of the imperatives, but it's in chapter 4, verse 1. Notice Paul says, My beloved brethren, I long to see you, my joy and crown. And then at the end, he says, My beloved. I found something about worry. Worry is when I am unduly focused on self. Our world is so worried about perception, social media presence. What does so-and-so think of me? What does such-and-such think about me? Most people don't think about you as much as you think they think about you, first of all. So when my eyes move away from me to other people, how many times have you seen Paul in a New Testament letter say, I pray for you guys night and day? When I think about you, it, it brings joy to my heart. Look, think about people in your life that God has brought in, blessed relationships. Pray for people. When you get your eyes off of yourself, 
you are less apt to have anxiety because you're more concerned about the needs of others. So maybe you're having difficulty sleeping. Look, we, we can all deal with that. Start praying for other people. Look, if you're going to be up anyway, you might as well pray for other people. And you'll be amazed at how many people will all of a sudden come to your heart and mind. I heard a story of a, a man. He was uh, in a, on a mission field. I think it was, he was in Africa. And uh, he was late for a meeting. And so the only way he could get there on time was to cross this open plain where wild animals were known to run. And so he said, you know, I'm going to be late and I got to get there. So I'm just going to go across the open plain. So he went across the open plain and he heard the, the hoofs of charging rhinoceros. It was a whole, I don't know what you call them, a whole group of them were coming and they were coming right at him and he had nowhere to go. And so he fell to his knees, this is a literal story, and prayed, oh Lord, spare me. And all of a sudden they came and they passed by him and not one of them hit him. And it was a huge group of them. And he was spared by the Lord. He made it to the meeting, preached the gospel. He found out years later that someone had woken up in the middle of the night and felt an urge to pray for him. And when they aligned the calendars and the time zones, that urge to pray for him was right as those rhinoceroses were charging him. This is the Lord. And he doesn't need us to pray to deliver one of his saints. But he certainly uses our prayers as a means to his ends. And so this is the beauty of prayer is we, we focus on other people. We love other people. Notice Paul's heart, my joy, my crown. It's you. Stand firm. Verse 2. I urge Euodia and I urge Suntuke, these are two women in the Philippian congregation, to live in harmony in the Lord. Now Paul's been calling for unity in verse 127, a life worthy of the gospel. Philippians 2, 2 and 3, to be unified in heart and mind. And he even told us to have the attitude of Christ in Philippians 2, 5, to put others' interests above our own. Now he gets to the heart of an issue in the Philippian congregation. Two women, two godly women, two warriors of the gospel, as we'll see in a moment, were at odds with one another. Their names were Euodia and Suntuke. The issue that they had with one another, we don't know. Paul does not address it, but I will say this. If it was a doctrinal issue, if one of them was teaching a false gospel or a false concept, Paul would have addressed it. So what seems to be happening here between these two women in the church is a matter of opinion, a secondary peripheral issue, or a matter of personality. And all God's people said, yep. Because I don't know if you knew this, but church people can be difficult. There's even a movie out about church people. Don't look around at anybody else because you are church people. <laughs> Okay? Some years ago, I was a new Christian, and I was the drummer on the worship team. And I just was beginning to understand the things of God and the gospel. And, and I was a brand new believer in many ways. And the worship leader said, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to this church on a Sunday night. Would you come and play drums? And I said, okay. And so, you know, we got together, and we were at this evening service. And I remember we did a few songs together, and you could cut the tension with a knife in this church building. <laughs> 
Turned out that this evening service was about this divided church. Their pastor had left. Everybody was mad at one another. And we were doing the worship leading into a visiting pastor trying to talk sense into these people. And I remember after the last song was done, the piano player began to just kind of softly play as the pastor addressed the congregation. And he turned to the piano player and said, stop playing. We don't need that right now. And the piano player was like, (laughs) sinking down (laughs) on his piano bench. It was very uncomfortable. As he began to address the congregation, it became crystal clear that they were mad at each other, angry. There was a church split. He was basically challenging them to stop it. It was very uncomfortable. And it was my first taste of the opposite side of all the good things that can happen in churches. Church divides and church splits and people angry at one another. So Paul urging these two ladies key uh, phrase to live in harmony. Unresolved conflict brings anxiety if you're taking notes. Disharmony brings anxiety. And we're called in Romans 12, 18, if possible, as much as it depends on you and me, we are to live at peace with all people. Amen? Now, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes people don't want to reconcile. They want nothing to do with you. Then there's nothing that you can do. But as much as it depends on you, our call is to live in harmony with people. If you have a a relationship right now that is chaotic, it's not harmonious, it's unnerving, especially if it's a close relationship. Many of you are married here. You know if your marriage is not going well, everything else makes you feel anxious. Why? Because that main relationship is discombobulated and it's going to bring anxiety. It could be a friendship. It could be something else. And so if you want less anxiety in your life, you've got to try to live in harmony with others. Harmony is defined as a consistent, orderly, or pleasing arrangement of parts, uh, congruity. Musically speaking, harmony is the blending of simultaneous sounds of different pitch or quality to make something beautiful and pleasing. You have an orchestra. When they're all harmonious, it's beautiful, right? But if they're not in tune, it's ugly and it hurts your ears and it causes the opposite. And so we don't want to become, as Paul said, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We want to have love push our relationships to healthy places. So you may need to reconcile with someone right now. Maybe you have anxiety over the potential of that meeting Let me just tell you, the longer you let it go on, the more anxiety will come. Better to deal with it now. Better to just say, hey, can we talk about this? I don't want to have this tension in our relationship any longer. Verse 3. Indeed, true comrade. Uh, We don't know who that is. That could be Luke. Others believe it's Epaphroditus or one of the elders at the church at Philippi. Paul says, I ask you to help Uh, Assist these women is the idea who have shared my struggle, notice, in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. One point to think about is that these are all believers. All believers have their names in the book of life. That's where you want your name to be, right? These women had shared in the cause of the gospel. They were warriors. They had come alongside Paul in gospel work But now they were fighting, and the gospel was suffering as a result. 
Imagine the people in Philippi running across Euodia and Suntuke, and they can't get along, and they're trying to preach a gospel of peace in Philippi. This is what the devil does. He loves to get in the middle of relationships and thus muddy the waters of the gospel that we preach. Let's not do that. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year. And you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcasts and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. One point to think about is that these are all believers. All believers have their names in the book of life. That's where you want your name to be, right? These women had shared in the cause of the gospel. They were warriors. They had come alongside Paul in gospel work, but now they were fighting, and the gospel was suffering as a result. Imagine the people in Philippi running across Euodia and Suntuke, and they can't get along, and they're trying to preach a gospel of peace in Philippi. This is what the devil does. He loves to get in the middle of relationships and thus muddy the waters of the gospel that we preach. Let's not do that. Let's try to be at peace with one another and make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said, for they shall be called sons of God. Uh, The seed whose fruit is righteousness, James 3.18, is sown in peace by those who make peace. As best as you can, be a peacemaker. Paul says, look, these women are gospel warriors. They fought side by side with me in the gospel. Please encourage them to get along and to uh, get past this thing that just continues to stumble them both. 
Second imperative is found in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let's say it together. Again I say rejoice. Right? So the second imperative is to have a life of constant rejoicing. Now some of you would quickly respond. Some of the cynics in the crowd are going to say something like this. But I have nothing over which to rejoice. Answer that one. Well, it says rejoice in the Lord always. So here's something to think about. Let's just say that you were to survey your life right now and you would say, I I got nothing. I can come up with nothing. Then begin to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in who he is, that he made the world and everything in it, that he sent his only son because he loved you so much that he died on the cross, that he defeated death, that he's at the right hand as your intercessor, that he loves you, that he loves you, that he loves you. Amen? You rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. If you want to remedy the worry in your life, you got to get joy back into your life. And rejoice is simply just a outflow of joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the oil of joy above his companions. He was a joyous person. Yes, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as it relates to what he was going to do on the cross. But he was a joyous person. He was the ultimate person filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Joy is something that we want to model. It's the basic and constant orientation, says one writer, of the Christian life. An evidence of a relationship with the Lord. Make up your mind to rejoice. And you got to do it. You got to almost be defiant about it because that's how the verse reads. I will rejoice. You got to tell yourself. You got to do some healthy self-talk. If you're prone to to have the dark cloud over everything, oh, you know, well, if only if, uh, that person over there, that person looked at me sideways. Did you see that? You're, just chill out, man. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the fact that He loves you and He loves that person as well. Here's a, a few uh, tastes of these kinds of ideas. Psalm 31, 7 says, I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you've seen my affliction. You've known the troubles of my soul. Isaiah 61, 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. Listen, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. Garland as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. This is what the Lord has done for me. Zechariah 9 9 says, Rejoice, O greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. We just have to be almost defiant about it. I will rejoice and be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. Remember I shared with you, uh, George Mueller said his first business every day was to make his heart happy in the Lord. Look, if I look at the circumstances of this world, I watch a half an hour of Fox News, uh, I am not in a rejoicing mood. Right? But I've got to rejoice in the Lord because He is my salvation and He's ultimately, ultimately in control. Just one other side note. Soul winning will cause you to rejoice as well. You get your eyes off yourself on other believers. You pray for them. You try to win souls 
Uh, and Luke 15, 32, Jesus says uh, in the story, we had to rejoice and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Some years ago when the church first started, I was wet behind the ears and we, we made some mistakes about how we handled some things in leadership. And I told a friend, a pastor friend of mine, I was in my 30s and I said, yeah, we're having some issues and some people are mad about this and that. He said, Pastor Michael, it sounds to me like you guys need to get refocused on evangelism because everybody's getting nitpicky about all these little things that in the end don't really matter. Amen? We need to get, be about the Lord's business. Some of you have met the couple called the Nitpickersons, Mr. and Mrs. Nitpickerson. Have you met them? Well, the Nitpickersons can nitpick everything to death. And if you find that you're there and all you can do is look around and be critical, you got to do a double take about where your heart is and where you want to be headed in your Christian life. So there's the first two. Look at verse 5. It says, let your forbearing spirit, 4-5, be known to all men the Lord is near. It says in uh, the NIV, let your gentleness be evident to all. This is the third imperative that is to be gentle or reasonable. The ESV puts it this way, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The third imperative is actually required of an elder overseer. It is to be gentle and reasonable. This introduces a relational quality that rejoicing produces. It's the very stuff that we see in Jesus. He was gentle and lowly in heart. If you find yourself being unreasonable with people, that will build anxiety in you and in others. Let me illustrate. Perhaps your expectations of people has become so unrealistic that they can't be comfortable around you nor are you comfortable around them. That's because your expectations have become unreasonable. You've all heard about unreasonable expectations. Now, I'm not talking about lowering the bar or anything like that. I'm talking about being a reasonable, gentle person. If you are unreasonable, if when you walk into a dwelling, everybody's trying to, you know, stand straight and be worried, and you got everybody walking on eggshells, you're not walking in the spirit, brother, sister. And I would just say to you, with all due respect, stop it. Stop it. Maybe you need to watch a little comedy and stop taking yourself so seriously. Look, God's got a sense of humor. He called all of us, right? <laughs> We, we got to lighten up a little bit. We, we got to relax on people a little bit. You know, if you are an unreasonable person, you will push people away and you will heighten the level of anxiety around you and everybody else. The third imperative is just be reasonable. Let, let it be made known to all men. If, if someone was going to assess you, would they say you're reasonable, relaxed, fair, and gentle? Or is it the opposite? You've been listening to Anxious for Nothing, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 1 through 7. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, are you in need of prayer or guidance? Sometimes getting through the week has its challenges, and we have pastors ready to hear what you have to say. Whatever you're going through, please call us. 
Walk in Truth has pastors on staff ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays during normal daytime business hours. Please call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, maybe you would say, hey, I disagree with Pastor Michael on this one. (laughs) My expectations of church people is not unreasonable. People are supposed to be like Christ, right? I thought Christians are supposed to be, you know, Christ-like and not the opposite. What do we do now? What do we do when someone's acting the opposite of Christ? What if they're acting like a fool or maybe we would even say acting like a jerk? What do we do now when Christian people disappoint us? Maybe you've done some business with the person with the fish on the business card or you've seen someone with the Christian sticker or T-shirt not acting very Christ-like. What do we do now? I think we should have reasonable expectations, and that is that believers should act like believers. We would expect that. But we all have our moments, right? We all have our times when things are just not going the way that we would hope. We have a moment where we call being in the flesh. And we want to remedy that quickly. You know, Christians make mistakes. We sin, but we we repent of sin and we try to get things right. And I think that's how you can tell a true believer there will be a humility even when they have a moment that's out of character. I hope that helps. Hey, we're going to be doing a part three on Anxious for Nothing right here on Walk in Truth on our Friday broadcast. Just want to say a big thank you to all of you who pray for us. Those of you who are brand new to us, welcome aboard. As we move through Philippians, Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And remember that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 1-7, called Anxious for Nothing. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.